Hey, I just want to say a couple things uh, about Father's Day. This message is not going to be yelling at fathers to get their act together. Um, it seems that Mother's Day is a day where we go, you're so loved and appreciated. Thank you for everything. And then we get to Father's Day. It's like, get your act together, man. What's the matter with you? So we're not going to do that. But, but I just want to point for a moment to... The idea that uh, possibly one of the greatest needs our society has is fathers being involved in the lives of their children. And a lot of the ills and a lot of the problems that we are facing in our world today come from a lack of fatherhood. Uh, the book of uh, Malachi talks to us about when, uh, when the hearts of fathers are turned toward their children, um, it breaks a curse, and obviously the flip side of that is when the hearts of fathers are not turned to their children, there's a lot of issues that happen. So I just want to say to the men in the room, uh, whether you have children or, or not, all male, healthy male presence in the life of the next generation is a powerful thing. And one of your greatest contributions to a better world is to be a great father and a great father figure. So dads, we're rooting for you all the way. Matter of fact, amen. You're important. We're rooting for you so much, we have root beer. Is that a dad joke or what? That was so good. I just thought of it right on the spot. I know you thought I planned that. Hey, next week, water baptism. Uh, every week, we have people respond to re come to Christ, return to Christ, uh, get things right with God, and, and that's a step to take. This is, for some of us, the next step, uh, to make a public confession of your faith um, in water baptism. You will never be applauded more than when you get water baptized at the Rock Church. So uh, we just want to encourage you, if, you've, if you um, have never been water baptized before and taken that step of obedience, uh, or maybe you've just made a decision and come back to the Lord and you just know it's time for a, a fresh start for you, let me encourage you to get registered for water baptism next week. It's going to be amazing. We've been in a series called Win the Day, and uh, we are, it's bounced out of a book that Mark Batterson wrote called Win the Day, which I certainly encourage you to read. And uh, for the last few weeks, I've been talking about the concept of seed the clouds. And this is, this is the last message. This is supposed to be a seven-week series. It has turned into 11 weeks. Who, how did that even happen? But uh, I love the idea of seed the clouds. And listen, um, just this is, this is minor. Our church used to have a Wednesday night service, and uh, one season I taught through the book of John, and there were 123 messages out of the book of John. So yeah, so thank God, only 11 on this one. But uh, let me take a few minutes, and seed the clouds is really about the idea of, of uh, sowing and reaping. And when you seed the clouds, when the clouds are full, the rain will fall. But uh, I want to look at this great passage in Ecclesiastes 11. Uh, verse 1 says, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know 
what misfortune, i.e. pandemic, may occur on the earth. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow. He who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, was it just the cutest thing to see Amber up here with their little baby bump leading us in worship? Come on, somebody. Little Henry growing in there. So you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning. Do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. So talked a little bit about the idea of keep casting your bread on the water. If you keep giving out, it'll keep coming back. Get the law of sowing and reaping not working against you. Get it working for you. Then we talked about the idea of don't put all your eggs in one basket. Divide your portion to seven or eight. And just realize that a really successful life is not just a a one-dimensional life. And then the third idea we talked about is when the clouds are full, the rain will fall. And just want to remind you again today that uh, God has appointed your specific time of harvest, and whatever God has appointed, no one can stop. Somebody say, amen. Amen. So here's what I want to talk about today, a couple of ideas. Number one, accept what is. Accept what is. So Ecclesiastes 11.3 says, if the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. Wherever the tree falls, there it lies. Some things just are. No matter how much we wish they were different, they are the way they are. And it's a tension to manage for sure because there are certainly things that you and I can do that would make positive changes in our life. But it is a powerful idea to understand you do not have to live your life fighting against things that are because that's a losing battle. And if you could learn what is and learn to flow with what is, your life is gonna be a whole lot better. Gravity is. The sooner you learn to cooperate with it, the better off you are. Electricity is. Submit to it, surrender to it, electricity will work for you. Fight against it, you're in for a shock. Another bad dad joke. But you know what? It's Father's Day, and I've got the mic, so live with it. It's just what is. You can fight with life, or you can cooperate with life. So you're driving, and you got to be somewhere at a certain time, but you're on Interstate 26. (laughs) Yeah. 
You're stuck in traffic. You're flying somewhere. The flight is delayed. You're going to miss your connection. For the 137th time, your child has an ear infection. The building project that you entered into, it's costing more than they said it was going to cost. It's taking longer than they said it was going to take because you know the estimate is the lie you tell yourself to go ahead and get started. Now, I'm not talking about passivity in life, but I, but I am talking about an important idea that if, if the tree is fallen toward the north, you either have to learn to accept north and work with it, or you got to get to work to see if you can get it to face south. And here's, here's why I think this is so important. Because if you're always fighting against what is, you're going to live life agitated, irritated, angry, depressed, frustrated. And those are never going to be positive seed in the cloud. The, those are going to seed the cloud in all the wrong ways. And if you've ever been married to somebody that is living like that, they're just always against the grain. If you're living with somebody, work with somebody, friends with somebody, they just can't go with the flow. They're, they're argumentative, they're negative. They're cynical, they're anti-everything. The country's not good enough, the president's not good enough, the economy's not good enough, the church isn't good enough, the work environment, nothing is good enough. And they're always fighting the current, always going against the flow, living, living life fighting, there are some people that they're just always fighting with life. They're fighting with God. God, how could you? They're fighting with people. They're fighting with what is. And the Bible is telling us, listen, with the tree falls to the north, wherever it lies, there it is. You got to learn to accept what is. Next idea, it's in this passage, is super vital. It's this, number five. Don't be pushed or pulled by outward circumstances. Ecclesiastes 11, um, verse four, says, he who watches the wind will not sow. He who looks at the clouds will not reap. We live in a day where the culture and the standards of life are going everywhere. And I'm saying to you, we have to learn to be guided by a set of principles and convictions that are beyond the set of circumstances we find ourselves in. 
There have to be inner convictions that run our lives. Whether it's summer or winter, it's a conviction. Whether we feel up or down, it's a conviction. Whether we feel good or not, it's a conviction. So, you know, there's a couple of convictions that run my life. Uh, One conviction of mine is a life of prayer really matters. So I'm just fully committed. Whether I feel like praying, whether I feel like it did any good on the day I prayed, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep going. If I, if I mess up, if I miss a day, if I missed a couple days, I will pray. My life is going to have prayer in it. It's a conviction. It's not just a thing I go to on convenience. It's not just a thing I go to on emergency. It's, it's a conviction in my life. I have a conviction that I'm going to stay rooted in the Word of God. I'm not going to let culture define sexuality to me. I'm not going to let culture tell me what's up or down or way to live. I'm just going to stay in the Word. And not only am I going to stay in the Word in terms of it's the, it's the foundation of the way I choose to live, but I'm going to stay in the Word like I'm going to read the Word Not just when I can find time, I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to make time to to read the Word. More important than watching the U.S. Open or or your favorite whatever show, I'm going to find time. I'm going to make time to read the Word. Some days I read the Word and I get 10 ideas some days I read the Word and I th- I'm thinking, nothing. But it's a conviction of mine to stay in the Word. Here's a conviction that Suzette and I have bought into our entire married life. I, really, our, li- our Christian life before we married. I will pay tithe. It's a conviction of ours that no matter... There's never been even a thought can I afford to pay tithe? Because it's a conviction. I've, it, it, it is apparent to me in the word that when, that when I take my first and best and honor it to God, I am showing him he is the first. He is the best. He deserves the first and the best in my life. So it's never, I would rather go without something. And in the early days, we did go without things to make sure because it was a conviction. I didn't let, I didn't let the wind, I didn't let the clouds, we didn't, we didn't let any of that affect us. We paid tithe and have been doing it for decades now. Here's another conviction I have. No matter what I feel like, no matter what's going on around me, I will worship God. Amen. I, I will it has nothing to do with whether I feel good, whether I've had a good day, whether I've had a good week, with whatever's going on around me. The truth is God is always good. God is always awesome. God is always powerful. God is always true. And it's the way I get to align myself 
with reality rather than the passing circumstance that's walking through my life today. It's a conviction. I will worship God. Here's another conviction that I have. I will love on my wife, my kids, my friends. I will not let frustration in one area of life come into my relationship with my wife. Happy Father's Day. It's a conviction that I'm not going to let my emotions tell me whether I love my wife. Somebody say amen. It, this idea of if you're just looking at the clouds, if you're looking at the rain, if you're looking at the wind, you're never going to sow and reap. You can't be pushed and pulled by outward circumstance. You got to have conviction to principle inside your soul. Amen. Number six, always remember, God is working for you in ways you cannot see. The premise behind everything I want to say today is a revelation that we know God is a good God who is for you. And if you can buy that and buy at that completely, it will bring you so much peace and so much joy and so much better life. So Ecclesiastes 11.5 says this, just as you do not know the path of the wind, how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity, somebody say activity, the activity of God who makes all things. God is always active. He's always moving in behalf of his children. And sometimes what God is doing behind the scenes is way more than what he appears to be doing in front of you. John 3, verse 8, Jesus said this, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I'm asking you to by this idea. Life is a mystery. There is a mystery dimension to life. There is a mystery dimension to how God works in our life. And I'm encouraging you to embrace the mystery. When the New Testament talks about mystery, it gives us this idea, not just something that's kind of spooky and can't ever be quite figured out. A, a mystery in the New Testament is something that was hidden and is now revealed. And if, if you can embrace the idea 
that God is good and God is for you, even when you don't see it happening in front of your eyes, you are exchanging you trying to figure it out, you trying to calculate it. If, if you're trying to understand everything that goes on, you're going to get tied up in knots. But if you can move from having to understand into I trust God with my life, and he's always working behind the scenes in my behalf. God is arranging the dominoes to make everything work out for your good. And, and that's embracing the mystery. The mystery is that place you go when you go beyond I've got it figured out into I trust God with my life. Mark, Mark 4, verse 26, Jesus was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night. He gets up by day. The seed sprouts up and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. What I am pushing for us to go for is the recognition that God is working behind the scenes in your behalf. Some of life just lives in the mystery zone. It's bigger than you, it's beyond you, but that doesn't mean it's out of control. The last idea that I want to talk about is this one. Expect everything to work, but don't be bummed when some things don't. So Ecclesiastes 11:6 says, "Sow your seed in the morning, do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good." I don't know if you've ever been told this, but a lot of people will say, hey, listen, man, don't get your hopes up. And a lot of people that have experienced disappointment in certain places in their life, it's hard for them to get their hopes up anymore. Hope is a powerful force in your life. Hope is a general expectation that things are going to turn out for good. I don't know how, but I, do, I know this. God's promised he would cause all things to work together for good. Faith is an inner knowing, like knowing in your knower that things are going to turn out for good. Hope and faith, hope is the birthing place for faith, but hope is, I don't have a word from God yet, but I've got this expectation that God is good and he's working in my behalf. And I may not see everything that's going on, but I'm just hope. I have this hope in me. Tomorrow's gonna be a better day. Faith is, I've got a word 
and I know that I know that I know. Both faith and hope are born out of a confidence in God's goodness. And here's what I'm saying. Your expectation is a powerful thing. And to have your sense of expectation stolen is a very difficult way to live life. Some people have lost anticipation. They've lost expectation. And it moves them into a zone where they get too safe, too scared. So instead of trying to win, they're just trying not to lose. Because they tried a thing, they stepped out into something, they made an investment, they tried a business venture, they tried a ministry venture, they tried a relationship thing didn't work, and now they're scared into an ultra-safe zone. Don't want to get my hopes up. Suzette and I were cleaning our garage out a week or two ago, came across the yellow pages. Some of you don't even know what the yellow pages are. Google it, you can figure it out. Just Google it. And, uh, and we, we, we looked this July 2001, 21 years ago, 20 years ago, this was our yellow page ad in the paper. And I looked at that ad, one, recognizing that yellow pages don't exist anymore. And, and here's what I want to say. In 20 years, we've had a thousand disappointments. We've had dozens of pure betrayals expectations that we would do something that weren't met. But I look back over 20 years ago, and I have to say, the big story is God has been so good to our church and to us. Now, and I'm looking at this thing and at the bottom, the Rock Christian Academy. And it was a great reminder of a, of a failure because we had a, you know, our church has always had a passion for the next generation. Our church has always wanted to, I thought, what a great idea that we would recreate the DNA, the ethos of our church in a Christian school environment. How could this not work? And hired a leader, got the thing going. At, as most times, you start underwriting it like crazy. $10,000 a month, the church is having to give to the school. One month, two months, three months, full year, we put 125,000 bucks into this school. The next year, same thing. The next year, same thing, and, I, and I'm looking put a new leader in, could not find a leader. I sunk a half a million dollars 
into trying to keep this school going. Finally, I just said, you know what? This isn't working. And the tail was wagging the dog. I just swallowed my pride and said, we're done. Not doing that. Didn't move to Asheville to start a school, moved to Asheville to start a church. So we just had to let it go. Christmas Eve has always been one of the best events for us in terms of reaching people for Christ. Every year outside of the pandemic, Christmas Eve, we see 30, 40, 50 people at least respond to Jesus' Christmas Eve services. I thought a couple years ago, hey, I got an idea. Let's take this and do a tour with it. It did not work at all. It was terrible. It was awful. It was a lot of work, a lot of money, no fruit whatsoever. But I never want to let an attempt to do something great for God that didn't work out remove my anticipation or my expectation that the next thing is going to work awesome. I, I literally expect everything to work. And I know you got to give God something to bless. And if disappointment has backed you into, you're not open to any new relationship, you're not open in moving into any new arena in life, I think a lot of us are held back by perfectionism. We want it all, when everything lines up perfect, I'll take the step. Or we're, or we're held back by procrastination. I'm just gonna put this off a little bit longer. But I just wanna remind all of us today that God is a good God who really wants to bless your life. And to see the clouds is a big buy-in to understanding that God has ordained sowing and reaping. And it isn't just a principle. God personally watches over the harvest of what we've sown. I wanna pray with you guys. I want you to bow your heads, please. I want you to close your eyes if you would. Father, we come before you today. Every one of us has faced a disappointment, a frustration, an irritation, and we just decide today, not gonna let that run my life. Gonna trust our lives into the hands of an amazing God, a God who is for us, a God who can turn history on a dime. I'm praying for every person, Father, that has been scared into playing it too safe, that we will step into everything that you've called us to do, everything you've called us to be. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, maybe you're here today, you've never surrendered to Jesus before. You've never just let yourself be in his hands and allowed him to be the Lord of your life. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're in a position where you used to be closer to the Lord than you are today, but something's happened that's messed up, got in the way, 
caused you to drift, caused you to quit. But this is your day to come home. I want to pray with you. Maybe you just don't have confidence about where you stand with God. Hey, can we take this moment? Nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to surrender to Jesus, or I want to come back to him, or I want to know for sure that I'm right with God. That's me. Would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high all over the room and just say, yeah, that's me. I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to, God bless you right here. Anybody else just want to say yes, just yes. Come on, anybody else just want to be honest in the moment before God? Thank you. Let's pray together. This is for everybody who lifted their hands, but let's all say this prayer together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life. I open my heart to your love to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, but I come to the cross where you have paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.